The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the ways to use technology to build real and impactful relationships. Joining us is Derek Anderson, who is the co-founder of Bevy, which is a community event software for groups and enterprises that helps brands of all sizes save hundreds of hours while building communities in real life. Prior to founding Bevy, Derek was a co-founder at Startup Grind, which is a community-hosted program with 650 locations that mentors entrepreneurs. So he has plenty of experience fostering micro-communities. Today, Derek is going to walk us through his process for building communities from the ground up. Okay, here's our interview with Derek Anderson, co-founder of Bevy. Derek, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here on the show. I am excited to talk about building micro-communities. And secretly, this is something that we're planning on implementing for the MarTech Podcast sometime in the, let's call it medium future. We're focused on growing the podcast audience, but eventually we want to get people together in real life. So I'm excited to hear a little bit about your tips for building communities with people getting together face-to-face. Let's start off a little bit by talking about you, your background. How did you get into the community and event space? Well, I started my career at Electronic Arts. I was an intern there on a video game called The Godfather 1 and loved it and loved the creativity of working in a video game company. And I, after college, went back and worked there for three years, primarily on a game called Burnout, which is a racing game, and then supported many of the EA's top franchises, doing a lot of their new media marketing and social marketing. And then I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I left EA in the summer of 2009 and started building products. And every six months or so, I would just fail utterly more spectacular than the previous six months. Been there, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome (laughs) to the club. So we launched a product, it would fail. We launched another product, we tried something else. We're just iterating and brainstorming and we build stuff and none of it would really stick, but it was enough to survive. And along the way, I started hosting this event series called Startup Grind with a friend of mine. And we just wanted a sort of forum to bring other entrepreneurs or people wanting to be involved in startups together to just help each other. And I did the first event and I shared some of the learnings I had from something I just launched and I got a bunch of feedback and it was fun. 
So we did it again the next month. And that sort of went on. Eventually, we started bringing people to speak. And then we started interviewing them. And many years later, it was clear that no one really liked the product we were building, but everybody really loved Startup Grind. So we shifted our focus. It may seem very obvious now. It was totally not obvious at the time. But a mentor gave me some advice like, hey, you should just maybe spend more time on Startup Grind. And from there, we started people asking to do it in their city. And a lot of it was inbound. And then a lot of it was hustle. And then once we got to about 20 or 25 cities, really the momentum took over. And I mean, we worked very, very hard and we still work very hard on it. But it was just something that people wanted. And so it's now in 150 countries around the world. And really the thing that connects everyone is the values of Startup Grind of giving first, helping others first and making friends. And so people resonate with those. And then they say, Hey, I want to jump on the bandwagon and build something with you all. So we've had a lot of fun doing that. But it was really a total accident. It was just people liked it. They didn't like the other stuff we're building. So we put two and two together and started working more on that. It's funny. It's a similar story that I've heard that I've not only heard, but experienced. I have worked on multiple entrepreneurial ventures, most of them flopping around like a fish. And at some point you start to get a signal in the noise and you double down on what that is. And it's not always the product you expect. And the story that comes to mind that's the most notable use of what you're talking about is Twitter coming out of a podcast company called, I think it was Audio. Yeah. And they made a communication tool and it ended up being one of the biggest social networks out of the world. So with your experience launching your own startup and then basically incubating startup grind out of that work. You learned a little bit about building these, let's call them micro communities or location based events. And then I'm assuming that's what led you to spin out Bevy Labs. Tell us a little bit about what Bevy is and how has that experience gone for you? Yeah, Bevy helps companies scale their in person communities. And basically, StartBrain got to 150 cities and we just duct taped it all together. And it was bursting and people were screaming at us every day, you've got to fix this. Like, this isn't working. I don't want to be involved in this if you don't fix this. So I looked at all the products that were in the market and I couldn't find anything that really met our needs. So my co-founders and I, we just decided, let's just build a solution for Startup Grind and it'll cost us money to do it, but we'll end up saving a lot of money over the next 10 years because we didn't pay a vendor and we just used our own product. So for a year, we built this product with basically getting no feedback from anyone, which is not advisable, but because we've been solving this problem for five years, I mean, we knew what we wanted. So we came out of a very dark cave in early 2016. We launched it with Startup Grind and the growth started to take off again. So you know we went from those 150 to, to 300 very quickly. And then we start showing the product to other people and say, how are you doing this? We say, well, we just built this product. This has helped us so much. And, and finally, we had people saying, hey, well, can we use that? And my first reaction was, no, you can't. And then it was, well, maybe, like, will you pay for it? And surprisingly, they did. Literally, our second customer was Atlassian, who's the maker of Jira and Trello, now Confluence and things like that. So we powered their entire community events program. And that then gave us all this confidence that actually we had something. So shortly after they went live and had a very good experience, we just took the technology, we spun it out of Startup Grind, took that part of the team, split the teams in half. And the two have been operating separately uh, for about two years. We've raised about $6 million in funding on it. And we have customers like Slack and Asana and Evernote and Qualtrics and other people who are scaling their in-person communities with us. We did a community series with Rachel McCool, who is the uh, head of community at GoDaddy. She and I worked together when she was working on community at eBay. 
And a lot of our conversation was centered around how to build online communities. And your experience has been more focused on how to build in-person communities using technology. Talk to me a little bit about what you see the role of in-person communities and what's the philosophy behind that? Well, we just did it to solve our own problem. But what's happened in the last five or six years is you see the digital pendulum, which swung way far to one side, is now swinging back the other way. So we adopted phones, we adopted mobile, we adopted social networking, we adopted all these things to make our lives better. And what happened is it's isolated everyone. And some people, it's the only life they know, young people. And we see a lot of the effects of that. And the other effects are just people now, they don't trust what they read online. We have all these things, the machines are taking over, AI is taking over. AI and machine learning are definitely taking over parts of the industry. We have AI in our product. But those face-to-face human interactions, people are starting to really value real community again. And if you think about it, I mean, here's a good example. Think about if I could ask Mark Zuckerberg any question right now, which is a funny thing to ask yourself, but I have been asking that because I do a lot of interviews with Stark, right? The question I would ask is like, how much less excited are you to go to work today than you were in 2014? And that's just because just the world has changed. It's not to say that in-person community is better than online communities. It's to say that they solve completely different problems. In-person communities effectively at scale engineer word of mouth and virality about your product and the movement that you're doing. So like for somebody like, let's say Salesforce or Atlassian, they're hosting hundreds of events a month with their customers in person. They're having thousands, tens of thousands some months conversations with customers talking to customers. What is the best way to know what product to buy? Well, without a doubt, it is to hear from another customer without any vested interest, not a salesperson, basically, tell you why they love and use that product. So the difficulty is that most products aren't just naturally viral. We can't all be Slack and Zoom where everyone just talks about us and uses us without anyone trying, it seems like. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice? (laughs) Wouldn't it be nice to have started something like that? You did. (laughs) No, I didn't. I mean, okay, maybe that's what it says on the about page, but we fought and hustled. And then once we hit critical mass, yeah, the ball tips over and rolls downhill, but you got to get out and get people talking. And sort of traditionally, companies look at that as field marketing. Field marketing is incredibly expensive. It takes a tremendous amount of work and people burn through it because it's not any fun to do. So the types of community offline in real life communities that we build are basically field marketing 2.0 and it's doing word of mouth at scale. And again, try and think of another way at a better price to get thousands of customers, maybe hundreds at first, then thousands, then tens of thousands, eventually millions of conversations about your product. I'm not sure there's a better medium for it, but in the past, it's been impossible to scale. And now with a tool like Bevy, what we've seen is, you know, we work with a company called Duolingo, who has a language learning mobile application. They do a thousand events a month. I like am sort of blown away by the scale of that. I don't know almost any company that's doing that unless they're putting tens of millions of dollars into it. And I do know some companies doing that, but nobody that's doing it at scale at a reasonable rate. And they've really taken the digital relationship people had with their brand, and now they've turned it into a real-life tangible relationship, creating much deeper affinity, a lot better outcomes, and bringing people together, which ultimately is a good thing for the world. Yeah, if I had to translate what you're saying into marketing speak, the difference between online communities and some of these event-based communities when you're meeting people in person 
you're building evergreen content, right? And there is value out of that from online communities. And these are primarily forum-based communities where people are writing about your brand and that can be shared in a digital fashion. When you're building the event-based communities and people are getting together in person, you're building a word-of-the-mouth engine, which probably has a higher amount of credibility because you can physically see and hear and in some cases touch, although it might not be recommended in most scenarios, the person in front of you. And to me, it's about the extensibility. The problem with offline events is they're hard to replicate in most cases. And the problem with online communities is that you don't really know who you're talking to. You don't know if you can trust them. Have you considered like doing marketing as a profession? <laughs> yeah, it's definitely up there on my radar. You're very good at the whole marketing thing. You know, it's how I got into the podcast game. I'm basically a talking head at this point, just focused on marketing. But honestly, what's going through my head is thinking about, okay, there's the impression level. You might get a million impressions doing a forum that is community-based, and that's great. You need that consistent impression. Mostly if you're selling digital products, you need to be in front of your customers where they're going to consume. But there is also the depth of the relationship, and that's where the in-person event comes in. So what I want to do is actually talk a little bit more now that we have a sense of the purpose of this event-based community, and I call it location-based or community or micro-communities, whatever I've said before. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then, and instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Talk to me about some of the ways to get these communities started. When you were working at Startup Grind and when you're advising companies who are using Bevy, what's the process for building a community from square one? I have this conversation all day, every day with people, and it's shocking to me and really fun at how repeatable these things are. Originally, like we're just doing it for ourselves, and now we help everybody do it. And really, the playbook is pretty standard. First thing you need to do is, tactically speaking, the first thing you need to do is launch a form. Just put a form on your website that says, start a chapter, and then put some information about what that means to run a chapter and just see if anybody fills it out. 
Don't even promote it. The most important thing we ever did at Startup Grind was to put that form on our website. And we got two people that applied within the first two days. And I was shocked because we did have people asking us at the events, but we had some random person somewhere around the world that's just filled out this form. And now Startup Grind, again, no ad budget, no product, just this community. We get 100, 150 people applying a month uh, to start a new chapter, except a very small percentage, but just create a form, have them put their name, their email, and get on Zoom with them. And do you have a video sponsor? I shouldn't say Zoom if we've got a video sponsor. No, but we would love for Zoom to be our sponsor. Anyone at Zoom, if you're listening. (laughs) But get on Zoom with them and talk to them about why do they want to do it and what kind of time do they have? What kind of person are they? Or do they match your values? That sort of thing. So that's the first part. Launch a form, put on your website. The second part is define what you want the program to be. And this is basically two questions. What do you expect from these leaders? And what can they expect from you? And just write some bullets down of what that is. And you can look at what other programs give. That could be, we expect you to host events this often. We expect you to be engaged in this way. And we expect you to be responsible for building a team, representing our values, that kind of thing. And what can you expect from us? We're going to give you custom artwork. We're going to give you a website and tools. We're going to put you in a Slack channel with network of other organizers. We're going to give you a cool LinkedIn title. It's going to give you more credibility and lift you up locally and special access to the company any which way. And maybe it's come to the user conference and sit on the front row and come be on stage or whatever. So you distill those two things and then you start testing them and you should try to test different things in each city and see what works specifically for you. And look, it's not been all perfect with Startup Grind. We've definitely had some weird things happen at random chapters, but most of them were in the beginning before we figured out what really worked. And then when we figured it out, it's sort of just like copy and paste. The weird stuff that happened, does that go back to my point of you can see and hear the person, but you probably don't want to touch them? (laughs) Honestly, I am amazed at how few issues we had. We've done 10,000 events and I can count the issues on less than one hand. I mean, if I told you what they were, you just kind of roll your eyes. Like, it's not that. I've never had one of those, thankfully. But it really, it starts with if you've got a good person organizing locally, then everything should be fine. So I get the process where you're, you know, finding some, let's call them brand advocates, right? Local chapter leaders and the purpose for them to participate in the community that you're building and and build their own micro community is credibility and access to other people that are in their location. And maybe there's some perks that you could provide them with making connections outside of the local geography. When you're putting on the events, what are some of the things that you've tested and what are some of the things that you've seen work? Well, simple is better. So you got to think of yourself as an organizer. And if you're going to launch a program like this, you better be hosting your own events and dogfooding the program yourself so that you feel the pain of what it's actually like. And if you're asking somebody to put on a hackathon every month, good luck. Because when you host a hackathon, you just want to go into like a cocoon and slumber chamber for like a quarter to just relax and catch your breath. Startup Grind, our format was fireside chat, one night a month, It's a three-hour event. You don't need to get a projector. You have a pull-up banner. It's not very digitally savvy, but it's easy. You did have to film it, but it didn't have to be perfect. So we push and pull on different things that matter to us. That's a good example. We always made people film the events because that was important to us. It's a lot of work to film an event, but we made compromises in other things. And at the same time, I think one of the big hurdles that people had in the past is just the tools. That's myself plugging my own product. Really cool, Derek. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) 
But it's just, it's like been a pain to organize these things. So that should be easier in 2019. But you just try different things. Maybe you have food, maybe you don't. Maybe you charge, maybe you don't. Maybe you have sponsors, maybe you don't. If you have, you know, three or four or five cities, and if you're doing one yourself, it's pretty easy to test. And this is the thing in the early startup grind days, it was so great. Every 30 days, we had a, basically like a new product launch. And we could iterate during those 30 days and relaunch with the new event. And at the end of each event, we got together and we huddled and said like, what worked, what didn't work. And then we implemented that stuff 30 days later. And that after you do five or 10 events, you pretty much know what's going to work and what's not. And you can basically roll it out from there. So last question I have for you about getting your events set up. And this is actually really a marketing question. Great. You get your brand advocates. You get a room blocked off and we'll talk about the logistics and technology behind running the events. But how do you fill the room? Hopefully, the company that you're with has a little bit of marketing muscle. They can help support you. You can use products like Meetup and Eventbrite, which are great event aggregators, essentially, uh, good places to find events. Your own brand. I mean, in the beginning, you don't need a lot of people, right? My first event had 10 people in the middle of Silicon Valley. There's probably a million people that could have come to that event. And I didn't need it. I just needed five or 10. If you've got the right size room and thoughtful content, a 10-person event can be awesome. And if you can't get 10 people to an event, your friends, your coworkers, your old coworkers, your old friends, your family, I mean, you can't get 10 people from LinkedIn and Facebook and stuff like, you maybe shouldn't be doing an event. But from there, you got to get the word out. You've got to have a marketing list. You've got to send email reminders. You've got to publish it in a place where people are looking for events. And in cases with bigger brands, they already have a customer base to pull from. So you get extra marketing support from them to invite people that already care about the brand and that would want to go to something like this. Thinking back about the marketing approach, it's it's very similar to marketing any sort of a product where your sales funnel, even if you're hosting an event and you're paying for it and you're offering something for free, you still have to do your customer acquisition, get somebody in the top of the funnel. You have to re-engage them, remind them when the event is going to be, get a commitment, send the reminders. And that's mostly your email marketing, maybe some marketing automation mixed in. It's no different than marketing software or anything else where understand who your customers are, reach out to them, introduce it, do your nurturing. And then when it comes to the day of event, make sure that people know when and where it's going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, it's not rocket surgery. (laughs) Rocket surgery is a good one. I've never heard that before. It's not. I mean, you got to do the blocking and tackling. That, from my perspective, is product marketer which is sort of what I look at myself as a product manager, product marketer. It's like, you got to just get in and do the dirty work and get things done. You got to put the reminders. You got to be where you need to be. You can't be shy. You got to talk about it. And ultimately the market, if they resonate with it, will pick it up and adopt it. Okay. Well, Derek, I appreciate you telling us a little bit about your story, about how you got into the event space and some of the ways that marketers can think about running local events as opposed to online-based community. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Derek Anderson, the co-founder of Bevy, for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow, Derek is going to tell us about the tech stack behind local event planning. And if you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Derek, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show note. You can send him a tweet at Derek J. Anderson, that's D-E-R-E-K-J-A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N, or you can visit his company's website, which is bevylabs.com, B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S.com.
If you're a subscriber to the MarTech Podcast, thank you for being a member of our community. We always want to hear from you, so we created benjshap.com slash question, where you can send us your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P, on LinkedIn and on Twitter. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, in addition to part two of our conversation with Derek Anderson, the co-founder of Bevy Labs, we've got some great episodes lined up for the rest of the week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. Okay, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.